And I'm Alexander Wales. And this is episode 50, Abandoning Stories. So, Abandoning Stories is something I think every author ever does. Everyone from authors like Stephen King, who publish, like, constantly, to authors that have only published, like, a few major works. I've mentioned that, like, they've written other stories, too. They've written other books, whether they were young or even, like, in their prime, and they just never got published, and they've been put in a bin somewhere and shelved and all that kind of stuff. But it's probably particularly worth talking about for web serial fiction, because a lot of the time you can publish your stories before they're done, and the decision to stop publishing it uh, is a, is a, has a separate kind of like criterion in some ways, and a separate kind of thought process, along yeah. with the idea of just like, you know, should I publish this story that I'm that's ongoing that as I'm writing it or not? So yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, so I think uh, first I'd like to make a distinction between abandoning and putting on hiatus. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times when people put something on hiatus, it turns into effective abandonment, where it, it's pretty rare for, for, you know, for people to come back from hiatus, I guess, yeah. uh, over a certain length of time, right? Uh, Harry Potter and the Natural 20 went on hiatus because he was just, like, not feeling it or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and then came back for a little bit and then sort of petered out again. And I think that's, that's very common if people come back for them to just sort of, you know, you have to get back in the groove of writing the story. And my own opinion on doing a hiatus is that the best time to do that is like right at the end of an arc mm-hmm. or, or at the end of a book. And then if you do it, you need to leave a lot of notes for yourself because if you're, you're just sort of, it's a lot of work to get back into especially long form stuff. Right. But so, so abandoning is, is a little bit different. I think they kind of go hand in hand, but abandoning is just saying like, Hey, the story is not working for whatever reason, mm-hmm. or I'm not feeling it. I don't know. There are lots of reasons to abandon a work. Usually it's just that you're not having fun writing anymore. Yeah. So there are definitely people who have mentioned uh, that they're going on hiatus for something specific, like either, They've had some, you know, d- different life circumstances, or as you said, they like got uh, bored with the story, or something like that, uh, that keeps them from writing for a while, and then they come back. And I, I agree. In my in my experience, also, they'll come back for maybe like a few chapters will come out, and then they'll just kind of peter out again. The the difference between that and just saying, hey, I am just kind of done with the story, and you know, for whatever reason, I think I'm just gonna discontinue it. I think that happens. Much more rarely, I think a lot of people will say they're going on hiatus or just just peter off on a story and just never really just come out and say. Partly because I think it it feels bad to to like publicly declare that you're giving up on a story, especially if you yourself don't feel like you're you you want to make that commitment yet because you feel like you might at some point come back to it. Yeah, I have a lot a lot of stories that are sitting in the drafts folder, mm-hmm. and I have not abandoned them in my mind, but some of them I'm like, Oh, I last edited five years ago. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, yeah. am, am I really going to come back to this? And yeah, I recently decided to really give up on one of, one of my novels that I've written. I wrote a book called the calling. It's a modern supernatural story with vampires, kind of like my attempt to have vampires be taken seriously again, um, shortly after twilight came out. And I enjoyed writing it. I think it was it was a fun fun to to write it. And I got to the point where I was I'd done like the final edits and started shopping it out to book publishers. And it was just like so much of not what I wanted to do with my time compared to just writing again and writing more. And like I just kind of let that peter out and thought to myself, oh, you know, I'll 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 keep trying now and then. And then I read uh, HBMOR and like got really into rational fiction in general and just like all this different stuff. You know, and I looked back at the draft of uh, the latest draft that I had, and it was just like, ooh, this is this is bad. Like, it's not it's not bad, I guess. Like everyone who, all my alpha readers were like, oh yeah, you know, I like you, whatever. But like, I now look at it and think it's bad. So like, I can't. I'm not publishing it as it is, even if like a publisher like approached me about it. But I thought to myself, it's okay. I'll come back to it and edit it at some point. And that's been. It's been over six years now, I think, since I yeah. thought to myself, oh, I'll just go back and edit it at some point. And I eventually realized it's not happening. And like, I attempted it for the first like few chapters, realized it was just so much to do. Uh, and I just had to decide to myself that I was just going to give up on the story. 
which is tough. It's tough to make that decision on on something that you've already completed in, in particular, but also on work on books that you've written a lot of. Especially for me, I think I I, I feel like I have less story ideas in general than than some other authors I know, like you who seem to have have a lot. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's not not easy for you either. Depends on the one. Sometimes, and it also depends on how long it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. There was, I'm looking at my drafts folder as we speak. There was there was a short story that I was like really hyped about, and I just I got like ninety percent of the way there, mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh, this just doesn't isn't working. <laughs> Scrap it. And <laughs> and I've never looked back on that, and I'm like, oh, I should really finish that. Mm-hmm. But for the longer ones, well, so the different reasons for abandoning sort of. De- depend on how I feel about them, right? Because mm-hmm. I've abandoned so, so many stories. There, I made a post on my blog a while back. I have a blog that no one reads. It's great. Um, <laughs> it's great for like being, just being able to say stuff and yeah. know that like no one's going to read it. It's like a diary. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a public diary. Um, but I, it was a, a catalog of projects that are at various stages of being complete. And mm-hmm. they're, the, the stuff that's like over 30,000 words, I think they're, a dozen of them that are past that like point. Right. And a lot of them are intended to be like 80,000 words. So it's like, I got most of the way there, but some of them will have like intractable problems Mm -hmm. with the plot. And those are a little bit easier to to just be like, okay, I'm not coming back to that because of the amount of work needed. Yeah. And others, I have like the full plot outline for them. It's just a matter of writing it. Yeah. And and for whatever reason it's I'm not I'm not feeling it. And those ones I always want to go back to because it's like, oh, I've done, you know I've done the world building, I've done the character mm-hmm. stuff and like I don't really know why I dropped it and it might have just been dropped because I, you know, had to work on web serial stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I I have a tendency to plow through the first like ten thousand words or so, the first like cha- two chapters, I guess, of mm-hmm. a of a of a work and I'm like really hyper to get it done. And then you can't sustain that pace or I can't, I'm sure, I'm sure some people can, but um, I, I can't sustain the pace where I'm doing, you know, 5,000, 10,000 words a day or something like that. Yeah. Um, worth a candle for start publishing was it published, I think every day for the first like week. Mm-hmm. And it was like 5,000, 4,000 words per chapter. And it was just, it's like an insane rate. And it's just can't, can't sustain that for, you know, longer than a couple of weeks. I actually started getting carpal tunnel. <laughs> so I was just like spending so much time, right. so much time really, really quickly writing. Um, just out of curiosity, have you ever considered, cause interjecting real quick, cause now you mentioned that, have you ever considered voice to text writing? I have. I just, it, I don't, it's not there yet. Yeah. It, it's the same, like I've been, I was looking at the, um, transcripts cause I put, I put a couple episodes of this podcast up on YouTube mm-hmm. so I could get, well, partly so I could get the transcripts for them and they just come out and so much work to, to do properly yeah. in another five, five years. I, I probably would, except for the fact that I can type faster than I speak. Yes. So. This is something I've been, I've been experimenting with this only in those circumstances where my hands are otherwise busy. Yep. And it's, it's, you're right. It's, it's not quite there yet for me to feel like I'm actually getting more out of it than I'm like, then that time could better be spent just thinking even about the story rather than actually trying to write it. Yeah, my my default is is just thinking. Yeah. If if I want to work on a story. Yeah, which we haven't. I don't think we've ever talked about just like general like wool gathering. I don't know what the right phrase for it is, but if anyone hasn't known this yet, like I think it's really important to have time to just think about your story and like let that let your thoughts kind of drift over the scene that you're writing or the problem that you're dealing with. Anyway. Yeah. Off topic. Yeah, but go ahead. Yeah, what were you gonna say? So yeah, I, th- there are a lot of different reasons for for abandoning a story, and some some of them I I look back and I'm like, man, I I really want to finish that someday because mm-hmm. it's you know, I, and I have um I have occasionally short stories I'm much more likely to because it's you know depending on how short it's like sometimes it's just the last <laughs> bit that needs to be done. And then, and then just ship it, cause, mm-hmm. or, or edit it, or whatever. I usually don't leave things in the state where they just need an edit, right? Yeah. If, if that makes sense. I don't leave things where they are one or two editing passes away from being published. If they, if I get to the end, then I tend to edit and, yeah. and publish. But I, I just, maybe in the last six months or so, I, I went through my short stories folder and I just polished some stuff up 
and slapped some endings on some stories and and pushed them out. Contrato was a it's like a vampire novella. Mm-hmm. That one sat in drafts for a long time, and I finally just sit, sat down one day and finished it. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually do intend to go back to Glim Warden, which is on indefinite hiatus right now. Except that it was like, as originally intended, it was supposed to be like ten books or something. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, yeah, I'm just going to do like an ultra long form web serial because those are like so hot right now. And I guess like I I actually do think it's much better for getting an audience. Yep. As opposed to just, you know, putting out books every time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which is not how I would prefer it, I guess. But so, yeah, I I intend to go back and at least finish the first book of it before maybe putting it back in hiatus, depending on how I feel about it. But. Yeah, I think every story I have, there's a different, every story that's either abandoned or on hiatus, and not even necessarily hiatus, but just like a hiatus of work, mm-hmm. right? So there's stuff that's in the drafts folder. They all have different reasons for why. Yeah. Because I, I try to do a postmortem. I, I think I find that very valuable to uh, figure out what it was that was went wrong so I can maybe not do that again. Yep. Which, I don't know. <laughs> A lot of the time, it's uh, that I didn't put in enough pre-work. I was just gonna say, I would be interested to see uh, a breakdown of of like if you if the causes can be summed up into one or two you know words, what the breakdown of uh, what the percentage of them is. Because for me, for me, it definitely has been a case of writing writing the story out, looking back on it, and thinking, just like I feel as a writer that I've grown so much that whatever I've written before just doesn't feel good enough which i know is a i'm gonna say at least somewhat common problem i've heard other writers saying this before so i know it's not just me but i don't know that it's a i don't know how calibrated that is in terms of like being a good thought to have like on the on the one end of the extreme you have this idea of uh you know don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good and don't assume that nothing that you write is worthwhile until it's like amazing and and ultra you know ultra polished and everything like that uh, but on the other end of it, it really is this case of like, don't spend too much time slaving over like your your work when you've got better slaving over older works when you've got better ideas or better things to write. Like you always should be moving forward like professionally and that kind of thing. And I think I'm I'm tending more towards that first one where I'm feeling like it's just not good enough to put my name on and put in public. Yeah, I've I've, I've heard that sentiment a lot. I th- I think for me it's more the amount of editing mm-hmm. that would need to be done sort of bring it up to par but even then i and you don't mean editing like editing like the you know typos and and like you know cleaning up dialogue and that kind of stuff you mean editing like the the core story like the plot threads and stuff like that yeah usually Mm -hmm. usually usually it's something at the core because if it's just you know turns of phrase that's right that's fine that 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 I'll, i'll fix as i go through punching up dialogue or punching up descriptions or stuff that that i find pretty easy and relaxing as far as editing goes it's when you need to make core changes that's usually if i've abandoned something it's because there are core changes that need to be made right yeah, sometimes i just feel like it would be faster to just rewrite the entire thing because <laughs> i can type you know i can I yeah can mechanically type pretty fast and if i already have the list of scenes there like to just fill in everything mm-hmm. again and just do it better seems like it'd be almost as fast as, as doing a full edit. <laughs> There's a um, story that I've co-written with a, a friend of mine that we we we, fir- we first wrote it I think when I was like I think I was like maybe like 18ish 18 uh, something something like that. We first wrote it and once we finished the the book we on on her her very well calibrated insistence did a rewrite from the beginning. I think actually I think the first time it was more mutual. We both decided like you know what this is this is a good thing to to start from the beginning just rewrite it all. And we did that. And then we finished it the second time. And some time passed and we wrote some other stuff too. And then we looked back and we're like you know what we should do we should rewrite this again. And I was like yeah okay that sounds good. And then we did it again the third time. And it was better each time it was better than the, the one before. And like lots of major things changed and all this kind of stuff. I think we're like on the fourth or fifth rewrite now. I can't actually remember. But yes, uh, if you are doing an edit that has enough major changes, like to the plot and characters and that kind of thing, it, I think it is actually faster just to rewrite from the beginning, for sure. Yeah. This is this is actually how, how I was going to edit The Calling, was just to start from the beginning and rewrite the whole thing. And that went, I got like six chapters in before I realized that it was just not, it was just too much, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll go through some stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That this. I'll... Oh, before you do, also, I just want, actually wanted to comment. I think making that distinction for what editing means clarifies something for me because I remember a while back uh, we mentioned something about editing and you said that you don't like editing and I mentioned that I really like editing. Now that I know what you mean when you say editing. Uh, and that you've mentioned that, like, if it's just like typos and punching up dialogue and stuff like that, you find it relaxing. Well, typos, not so much. Because <laughs> typos, you have to read with intent. Mm-hmm. Whereas the punching up stuff, it, less so. Yeah. That's that's my that's my preferred for, uh, form of, of of editing. If it's the typos, I will read past a typo so quickly yes. that you, you have to focus intently on what you're reading and on the actual words instead of sort of falling into that Zen state. Whereas if I'm just Pum- punching up, you're really just reading it for enjoyment. For yeah, it, I'm, and I'm just, just, I'm yeah. just re- yeah, I'm reading it and then I'm stopping every you know paragraph or whatever to to just reword things and and make it better. Yeah, I, I think th- I, mm-hmm. I think a more intensive version of that would probably be have better results, but it, it's not as it's not as relaxing. Yes, so. I agree. Uh, when I meant typos, actually, like I don't I don't ever read through for typo editing. I just read through if i find typos i edit them mostly it's the punching up thing if i want specifically to find typos uh, i will read it out loud which i think is the best way to find typos because it forces you to stop and like actually like articulate what you're what you're seeing and that usually works really well in terms of finding typos but i never do that because it just it takes so long and and i've got readers to do that for me now for me for the only story that i really care about for for typos yeah okay so i'm gonna go through this list Mm -hmm. uh which is as of july last year mm-hmm. which is when i wrote out the uh my like state of writing post that has all the stuff that i can consider more major i guess uh, oh, for the reasons you gave up on them yeah cool um or things that are on hiatus for a reason got it go for it okay so uh glimward would be first mm-hmm. There was a chapter that needed to be like twice or maybe even three times as long as it was that introduces the like fourth core character of the cast. And I think it was an abbreviated version of that chapter and I didn't like it very much and it didn't introduce a bunch of things that were supposed to be introduced. And then I was just trying to write past it mm-hmm. and it wasn't, it wasn't working out and trying to do that against a deadline for, for like, a, you know, this needs to be written, you know. Yeah. One, one chapter a week that I was starting to run into deadline problems and pushing them back. And it was just getting super stressful to, to try to do that. So when I start up again, which I plan to do, I, an indefinite hiatus of like two years now, which is usually past the point of no return. Mm-hmm. But the plan is to just do a full rewrite of, and I've already got most of it done as far as that goes, but do full rewrite of that one chapter that kind of missed and then write forward from there and like fix the things that need to be fixed and then just do that like big painful course correction. But that's mostly why I put that on hiatus. It was partly the stress of it and the like not having funds because it, it got off course from what I'd wanted. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. And I think that's a very common reason to uh, stop a story is it's sort of like starts going down a path. You don't really want to go down. Don't really want to go down and or feel like you're, you're like you feel the, it's, it's it's an odd feeling, but like you kind of feel the walls closing in a little bit, where you're just like, yeah, I don't know, wait, what am I doing now? Like, what, like, where am I going to go with this? So like, like the characters want to go this way, but this is not how I plan things to go, and now I feel like the plot might, like, get away from me, or I don't know how to how to like wrap this up, or or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. In this case, it was, it, I knew where I wanted the plot to go. It was just everything was happening out of order, mm-hmm. I guess. And the other problem is that it was, you know, web fiction and it's published, you know, one chapter uh, a week. And so in addition to the like time and schedule stuff, you can't really go back that easy and just be like, hey, like four chapters back. That's like three times as long now. Right. So just go back and read that and then come forward. People aren't going to do that. And I don't know. It's editing old chapters. I... For worth the candle, I do it for consistency or for typos, but I'm never gonna like add new information right. to previous chapters because I think only the diehard people are gonna read that. So, uh, but that that is my biggest abandoned work, and I think it is one of the only published ones. Mm-hmm. No, that's not true. 
Um, there's no, there's another one. We'll get to it. Okay, so uh, the other one, uh, Time Wise Tales, is was my national novel writing 2013. Mm-hmm. So that's been like six years now. <laughs> that is, it's pretty much done. It needs an ending, but then all the other stuff in the middle is kind of bad. <laughs> um, it's it's like a it's also a time travel story, which are quite a bit harder to edit, especially if they're internally cons- consistent. Right. Yep. If if you use that specific model of time travel, which I did. So that one just it needs a lot of work to sort of hammer in hammer in the. It, it needs to be edited down for for one thing. From and then it, edited down in terms of like you feel like it it's got too much bloat or. Yeah. Well, it's got too much bloat, and then it skips over to any things that are just that I just wanted to imply. Uh huh. Because I didn't really care about them as themselves that much, right? Like you felt like they were important to the plot, but you didn't want to linger on them. Well, no, it's uh, so there's like a one of the characters has like a chosen one arc or whatever, but it's a deconstruction of that. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that to, to to do it right, I would need to go through a bunch of the chosen one stuff, which was kind of boring. Which, which I didn't really care about that mm-hmm. much. I didn't really care about his sort of rise to be the greatest time hopper or whatever. Of all, and so I sort of skip past it, and I this one I you know some of the stuff only I have ever seen. Um, this mm-hmm. one I I had other people read and give notes on. They were like, oh, you just sort of like imply that he is, or assume yeah, you, that he is. You, you sort of like start the story with him, and then sort of imply that you know you get like little glimpses of the stuff, and then and I'm like, well, okay, do I need to add like twenty thousand words of? I mean, I probably do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I probably do need to add twenty thousand words of this his sort of rise but um it, i don't know it structurally it is a very it was meant to be a very tight and sort of constrained structure because mm-hmm. the three characters and then they they each alternate chapters and then as they're alternating chapters we usually we're like jumping through time as we do it mm-hmm. and jumping through like narrative threads and so it's going to be an absolute nightmare to edit which right. means it might not ever happen. Right. But it also still needs an ending. It needs, like, four more chapters, I think. But it's at, it's at like, 100,000 words, I think. So it's, you know, considerably long. But so that uh, that's one of those ones where it just it became really daunting how much work there was. And so I, was, I just put it on a shelf. Right. Where it realistically probably won't ever leave. Yeah. When you, When you get to that point where you, like you said, you recognize... Not only there's a lot of work to do, but it's also work that doesn't interest you in the story. Like, that's kind of the death knell. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's hard enough, I think, to write even when you're... Well, maybe not. Because, like, when you're in the flow and, like, you've got... You're, like, charged with an idea and stuff. For me, anyway, writing is very, like, fun and easy and, and all that stuff. Um, but I, I would say that that is probably not the majority of people who writes writing. Unless they're, like, really, really... I mean, maybe... Because you write a lot now. And I don't know if that's your, your normal state, is it? Um, it Depends. I mean, now there's like Patreon and I sort of care about, I don't sort of care. I do care about that mm-hmm. as far as like being a ethical, responsible, it's the opposite of patron. Uh, creator? Yeah. Uh, be, being an ethical, responsible creator and doing right by my patrons and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you would say that in, in large part you are driven to create for the sake of your readers, not so much the, like the muses on your shoulder. Yeah, for for worth the candle, no. Um, mm-hmm. Worth the candle is definitely more a. It's more driven by obligation. Like there's a lot of like stuff that has just been planned for like you know two and a half years now that I I want to get to and stuff that I have fun writing, but it's not the like greenfield yeah, muse yeah. stuff. And I, I mean I still work on side projects. I spat out I think like fifteen thousand words. And last yeah. weekend, because I just was like, yeah, it's a great idea. <laughs> I'm a genius. And... <laughs> yeah, that feeling is the one that yeah. I'm thinking is, is the obviously the funnest one to write through and the most motivating one to write through. Yeah, and, and I get the most done. Yeah, exactly. That is probably the, the rarest one, I think, for, for most authors. I think the one way that you're describing being, being driven by the feeling of, you know, you got things you want to get to in the story and in parts like obligation to your readers and things like that. Uh, I think that's okay too because I mean I've I've certainly felt that way when like you know when thinking about how much time I need to sacrifice to finish my chapter by the end of the month like a lot of it does come down to like oof I I really don't want to like disappoint my uh, readers which is in large part why I set that 
set that deadline from the very beginning. And I think there are probably many published authors who feel that way about like their stories too, who are like they're they're getting the next book out in large part is to please their publisher slash readers. And I've, I've, I remember reading a few authors' notes where this was this was described in somewhat amusing tones. But the the third form of writing where you're writing something that you don't feel at all energized about or, in, or all interested in. And that I think really once once you get to the point where that's how it feels to sit down and write every time, I think that story is pretty dead. Yeah, I think I think part of part of what I try to focus on is burnout management, mm-hmm. so that there there are some days where I'm just like, okay, I'm just not feeling it. I'm not going to write. I'm going to you know go play video games or I'm going to write something else that is like currently grabbing my attention, mm-hmm. and then I'll come back. And that's part of why Worth the Candle has such an idiosyncratic update schedule yeah. it's not an update schedule it's just there's no rhyme or reason to it and a lot of that is burnout management mm-hmm. is it's just not getting to the point where i don't want to tell the story because right. i do want to tell the story i just it's not there's so much there's so much word count now behind it and there's so much momentum that a lot of it is just you know filling in the stuff that i know is going to happen <laughs> right which is less less fun than just being like, oh, I don't even know what's going to happen next, but I'll figure something out, mm-hmm. like the, the seat of your pants kind of stuff. And I think there, there are certain stories that I've written and am writing where sometimes all you really have to do is put certain characters in certain situations together and the, and the story will kind of write itself. Uh, and that can be fun in the sense of kind of seeing what the characters are doing or going to do and like being as as surprised as the reader would be uh, as you're writing it. But I think I think that is very difficult to do for a story that you feel like has lost its momentum like the momentum is needed to do that kind of still like the the feeling of what's going to happen next being something that you're still excited about so i guess maybe that's the more important point when you're not not really excited about what's going to happen next anymore and you don't really care as much about what's going to happen next then obviously your story is going to you know kind of peter out and, and stop but i think that's a good indication from a writer perspective, that's a good indication that it's time to stop writing that story. Yeah, well, one of the things I've, I've felt for a long time is that, you know, getting good at doing the things that you don't... Like? <laughs> that's a, uh, Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. It's a very harsh way mm-hmm. of putting it. But getting good at the things that you don't like is, is a very valuable skill. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to justify for for writing if you aren't writing for anyone or, I don't know, like, if you're just writing for your own enjoyment, like, why are you going to spend your time yeah. on all the stuff you don't like? But I think, I think, sort of, I argue with people a lot online, just in general, but uh, for, in the specific case of George R. R. Martin or Patrick Rothfuss, mm-hmm. and they, I, I won't say either of them have abandoned their stories, but there's been decided lack of progress. Lack of visible progress, I should say, because obviously they're, you know, published authors and in publication you you don't really have any sign that it's going to come out until they know so i can't say like no work's getting done whatever but i a lot of people are like no writing isn't just you know putting one word in front of another and and i'm like yeah it kind of is yeah i mean writing kind of is just putting one word in front of the other and if you're not inspired you need to be able to work in spite of that and that's what makes you a writer as opposed to just someone who writes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how fair that necessarily is, but it's, it's one of the, it's one of the things that I argue with people a lot about because I, I, I really do think that it, you need to learn how to, how to keep things going even when you're not feeling inspired. Cause if, you, if you're just doing it when you're inspired, you're probably not going to have that good of output and you're going to be a lot less likely to finish things mm-hmm. and, and, and edit things and, I agree with you. Yeah. I think this is something that almost every published author I've ever read who talked about their craft has said, like, you need to be able to write even when writing is torturous, even when you're like, you know, you're sweating blood as like with every tap of the keys, which seems like a very strong thing to say and probably sounds counter to what I said earlier. But I think the distinction I would make is the difference of I know where the story is going and I, and I wanted to get there, but oh my God, I just don't want to write right now. And that's yeah. the feeling of like that you really need to learn how to get through that as best you can, because you're not going to want to write every day. And the best way to realistically be a professional writer in any in any 
in any format is to be able to write even when you don't want to write. Because like you said, if you're waiting for the muse, you like unless you're just blessed, you're not going to get that much work done. The distinction I'm drawing is, yeah, between when you know what's coming and you know where you want to go and, and all, all the sort of markers in the path ahead of you are visible. But just, just taking the steps is hard. That you still do need, you need to learn how to, how to do if you want to write. Not just for your own enjoyment, like to actually write as a, as a, as a career of any kind or as a quote unquote professional hobby. Yeah. Which is more and more becoming like a new class of thing, I think. But if you don't see those markers, if you don't really feel the thread of the narrative anymore, if you, you're kind of just like, just bored and done with the story and, and you have no real motivation or momentum to go forward anymore, at that point, you're still probably going to feel that sense of like writing is just work and boring and dumb. And I think that's when you should stop because, you know, maybe that's the point when you should start doing more planning and see maybe that'll reinvigorate your, your sense of where to go and what to do next and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but if, if writing feels like work and you don't know uh, where you're going with it, I think it, it's a good sign that the story probably has, has run its course. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes you go back and you try to do the planning and you're like, man, this is just, this is, there's just so much stuff that needs to be like changed or mm-hmm. pinned down. I have, um, one of the other ones that's on this list. We're not going to go through this whole, this is like eight, <laughs> this is like 18 things. <laughs> I, I forgot how long this was. Yeah, that's, that's too many things. Uh, but one of them was all I have is the work in progress title, which is terrible. It's, it's robot wizard vampire. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's just all it is. Uh, I don't, are they, I'm guessing they're not three of three descriptors of the same thing because a robot right. vampire is problematic. Right. So Contrato is like a vampire thing mm-hmm. and it was just sort of intended as a standalone thing set in the same universe or, or at least using the same rule set for vampires. But anyway, there's, it's like wizards are making like, robots using a combination of 1970s computing technology and their like magic mm-hmm. or whatever uh and then they're fighting the vampires who've taken over the world and that's fine i've like f- the full this is one that i have the full plot outline for mm-hmm. like chapter by chapter beat by beat breakdown and i have quite a bit of it written and i just didn't pin the magic system down enough mm-hmm. i don't think or as a slight digression, there's a problem with magic systems where if you want it to be credible that people are making breakthroughs, you have to constrain it as far as like who has ever looked at it. It's like, why has no one had this idea before, yeah. right? And also, if you want someone to be doing intellectual labor on this system, you have to at least do some of it yourself. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're capable of doing some of it yourself, it, it can kind of look weak for like something that someone is spending like 40 hours of their time on and you just yeah. have to like describe it i don't know it's 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 difficult but um so i, I was making it was like reformulating the magic system such that it could plausibly make robots function that was all it needed to do mm-hmm. really um it needed to do it needed to be like a classic wizard thing and then you know uh, a teenage bill gates comes along and revolutionizes build, it yeah build builds robots out of it to, to fight the vampires whatever that's that's the whole basically um and i was just looking at this magic system it's just like ugh, man this is just terrible to work through and then to to know that whatever changes i make are gonna require me to go back through everything that's already written right and like introduce it in a different way and it's gonna have knock-on effects and stuff like that so that's one i that that one has a like maybe 40 percent chance of ever being finished but the thing is, I, I also, some of these that are, even some that are officially abandoned, I sometimes go back to them and just read them, or I'll like add another couple paragraphs or something. Yeah. That's kind of my, my, uh, my MO as far as abandoned works goes. I'll still read them to see what was worthwhile about them, or what, what I thought, you know, turns of phrase or character stuff that, that I can rip out and put in something else. Yep. And then I always try to add to them. Even if it's just like a paragraph. Yeah, even if it's just like a paragraph, even if it's just... Is it kind of like slipping on like an old pair of gloves or shoes just to see if it still fits and see if it's comfortable now when it didn't feel like it was before? Uh, Sometimes. 
sometimes it's just I'm reading for pleasure, and the stuff that I write is always like perfectly calibrated to what I want to read. Yep. Because I'm I don't usually I don't think ever. I, n- I never like make a conscious effort to be more marketable or to like right. be so I it's it's got like all the references I get all the references mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> usually yeah. sometimes sometimes I don't because I like didn't leave a note for myself about where I got some name from or something yeah. but I get all the references and it's like my type of humor so and then I get to the end. And I have to be the one to, to finish it. Yeah, and you're like, well, I mean, I want to keep going a little bit, so let me just write a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. Have you ever co-written anything? So I worked on a video game called Frontiers, mm-hmm. and I wrote a bunch of... I was lead lore writer or something, um, and I wrote a bunch of the lore for it, which involved some co-writing. But I don't think I've co-written anything more substantial than that. So, I mean, as a as a GM, obviously you've done something that's very like co-writing. Um, but I don't know if you've ever written out any campaigns or anything, or done any uh, purely text-based campaigns. Oh yeah, we've done we've done uh, we had a long one in we we have a, a website for our for my high school gaming group, and we did some like text adventure stuff that okay. I didn't that I didn't GM that was just I I outwrote everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can imagine why. By a significant amount. <laughs> right. Um, and some of those were in the form of, like, telling a in-character story. Right. Right? It was... It, the premise was that we're all, like, meeting in a tavern, like, a year mm-hmm. on, on the anniversary of something or other. And so some of it was character building and world building through us talking to each other mm-hmm. about what had happened. And some of it was, like, flashback stuff where we'd do, like, actual dice rolling and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I wrote, I wrote a ton for that. A lot of it not very good. A lot of it just like dashed off. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it. That you still enjoy. Some of it I do. Some of it is like needlessly edgy yeah, or yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's got like other problems. But... Any writing as a teenager, I think, is anyone who's ever written as a teenager, I think, would recognize that particular descriptor for some of their work. Yeah, but but a lot of that is like co-writing stuff because you want to like incorporate other characters mm-hmm. and sort of find their voice. Um, and then I, I've done other, I don't know, most of the stuff that I've done as D&D, when you're GMing a campaign, you're, you're trying to incorporate the player's ideas and their characters and try not to, yeah, uh, I don't know, especially if you're, if you're narrating downtime mm-hmm. when you want, sort of want to skip past, but you don't want to have people act out of character. So you're taking temporary control of their character to describe what they've done. Yeah. I've I've co-written a few things, and I've done a lot of one-on-one text-based uh, role-playing mm. stories that I've enjoyed. Uh, and sometimes, like, I'll read back on those and, and think, like, oh man, I kind of wish we could like finish this in some way or, or continue it. But like, it's obviously harder with with a with a if there's like a co-author. But not not that you can't sometimes get permission to do it yourself. But like, it's also not the same. But also, like, I, I remember uh, rereading one recently, and and like, it had been so long since I wrote it, and because it was a co-authored piece. There were a lot of things I would come across that would be like, did I write this? Did they write? Like, who? Whose was this part? Like, who's? Like, it's, and then like I'll identify certain other parts of it from like, and like a turn of phrase or like a character description or something, and think like, oh yes, that was that was definitely mine or something like that, which is an interesting experience to read something for pleasure that you had some hand in and don't quite remember how much of it was yours. Yeah. But the idea of 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 picking up a story that you put a lot of time and effort and energy into and, and like you could see how it would continue and it might be fun to continue it but like finding the the reason to continue it over writing new things or or current things that you're already working on i think is probably the biggest hump to get over and i don't know necessarily if there's like a good like criterion to decide when when to do that other than like just what calls to you the most in a certain respect like what what just feels like it has got the most energy involved in it so there's there's two really popular I would say uh, fanfics that I, I, well, one's a fanfic, one's an original story. Uh, that I, I kind of really wish would get continued at this point. One of them is Game of Champions. It's the only Pokemon fanfiction that I've ever read that I really, really loved. I've tried a few other ones that were really popular, and I just, for some, whatever reason, I couldn't get into them. I've, I've given up on pretty much every, every Pokemon fanfic they've had recommended to me. But there was another one, like Pokemon The Line, which is only like six chapters or so, but it was pretty good too. Uh, that was another rational fic, I think. But uh, Game of Champions wasn't a rational fic. It was just something that was very close to it. To it, And I really enjoyed it. And the author went down on a hiatus because he joined the military. 
uh, and then he came back and, and published like a couple chapters and then and then he went on Harris again and then it just apparently got just completely not just discontinued but the author actually took the story down and a lot of people were really upset about that and it's like one of the things that the author said apparently was that they just thought the story was bad now and like it was really strange to see that because I know that experience in internally to look at one of my own stories like I said before and, and think like oh no this is just this is from an earlier time of my life when I've, I've completely changed how I see stories and writing now and all this kind of stuff. Like, I, I've already described that happening with myself in one of my own stories. To see another author say that about their story that I think is amazing is really strange. I don't know how to describe it. It's almost like, I almost feel like I'm being gaslighted or something or lied to. Like, yeah. like I'm like, I'm like, like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, this is amazing. And I think to myself, like, well, you know, like, obviously everyone has different standards for what they expect for their own writing versus other, other people's writings and all that kind of stuff. But also it feels like maybe like there's some other element that we don't know about going on or like you never really know, obviously, what what is the, the, the true motivation for someone to do something even if they if they believe they know what their motivation is. So that's like a very interesting thing to, to see from the outside and experience from the inside and, and see the discrepancy there. The second story is uh, was on, on our rational, Aeromancer. Have you read it? I have not. Aeromancer, I, I know the I know the thing though. Yeah, yeah Aeromancer was amazing. I I'm gonna go so far as to say Aeromancer is probably like it had like a kind of rough start, but I think it, it got really good. I would go so far as to say Aeromancer could very easily be like a My Hero Academia type anime in terms of popularity. And then there was a whole thing, and the author basically said I can't continue the story for X, Y, and Z personal reasons, and a lot of people were really upset about that and and you know wish that they would continue they did happen to release a summary of what the rest of the story was going to go like arc by arc kind of it starts out like chapter by chapter then kind of just goes to arc and arc arc by arc and then book by book and it's really interesting to see that too because you see you can see the the clear structure of where the story is going you see where the what the author had in mind you can see the path the the signposts all that stuff and then you just kind of think to yourself of like Okay, well, uh, this is not only like a, a guidepost for like imagining where the story could have gone if the author continued it, but it also shows what what it looks like for a author to decide for whatever personal reason or, or not, like where they've gotten in a story, how much work they've put into a story that they decide to stop writing it. And seeing another author's version of that was very interesting to me also. Yeah, I, I, I tend to have a lot of work done for stuff I really care about. Mm-hmm. There's some There's some that I... I've gone back and looked at my notes and I'm like, wow, there's nothing here. There's just, there's so little thought or care <laughs> put into, yeah. put into structure or, or like where the story was going. It's mm-hmm. like, did I just have it all in my head or, or did I like, was I just flying by the seat of my pants? Yeah. What, what, what was I thinking when I was writing this? Yeah. I, I get that feeling a lot. Oh, uh, one thing, cause we're probably getting close to time. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I want to mention was uh, Dark Wizard of Dunkirk because that was written over three years with a it was National Novel Writing Month uh, 20, 2015 tw- no for for three years <laughs> three, three continuous years so it had year long hiatus in between being worked on I worked on a bunch of other stuff between going to that and I think that's the one. I think that that's a model for how it can be done to come back to a story yep. as far as like, cause you know, I, you have November a, and yeah, you have an extrinsic kind of motivating force for, yeah. for getting back into it. Yeah. Cause, uh, it was, you know, I only worked on it during November. I, well, I cheated a little bit in 2016 or whenever that was, but because that was, I, I just wanted to get to the end. I didn't want to do it another mm-hmm. November. So it, I bled into like half of December to, mm-hmm. to finish it up, but. I think coming back to it and then just like read through the whole thing and then just hit the ground running as much as you can. It it also helped a lot to have a what I thought was a firm outline when I originally wrote it mm-hmm. and like firm plans because I wrote and made public a bunch of the a bunch of the um documents outlining what I thought was going to happen to be able to come back to that and know in at least in general terms where the story is going and what needs to happen next. I I think that was a good experience in in, in being able to fo- follow a guide or to follow like to just sort of trust in my instincts for what the story was doing and sort of trust in past you trust in past me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both as far as the earlier sections of writing and as far as, you know, plans for the future. 
I, it depends on how much writing skill I think you would like. If you're just starting out writing, I would not suggest doing that at all. But I, I think you hit diminishing returns on writing pretty easily after like a couple of years, mm-hmm. where, where it's like it's a lot harder to get better, and so you're, I think you're a little less likely to fall prey to this. Oh, this isn't very good instinct, you know? Yeah, I, I was. I, I think that might actually maybe more true for writing the same work. Maybe? Yeah. Whereas I think when you write more, I think an author can see their skill-ups more clearly when they write. The more books that they write, not just the time that they write. Or the more projects they work on, I should say. Versus uh, the amount of time that they've been writing. Yeah. Because I think the more the more different genres you work on and the more just different novels within the same genre, to a lesser degree, but also probably still the more different novels within the same series, you, the writing skill experiences more growth than than if you just work on the same thing for like five years. Yeah. I also tend not to trust my own internal calibrations of whether or not what I've written is good. Yeah. Because I mean, it's, yeah. it's wrong so often <laughs> that I'm just like, okay, whatever. I don't think it's good. I'll I'll edit it and I'll do what I, I can and then I'll just trust that I'm a, yeah. a decent writer. Yeah. I mean, there have been many times when I've, I've published for the month thinking, oh, man, this is, this is just such crap. And then, you know, people prove me wrong, which is it's funny because you can you can – you can know that that's a fallacy and, and still fall prey to it um, very easily. But the I'm curious to know about the the Dark Wizard thing. Do you feel like the going back to the outline that you put, the plan that you put, uh, and you said like you trust the past self and, and and go with what you what you were where you were planning going with the story. Do you feel like that was fighting against instincts to change things, or was that just more of a sense of I don't need to do more work to plan this out. I'm just going to go with what I already wrote. Yeah, it was it was the latter okay. because it, it there there's really a temptation to reinvent the wheel mm-hmm. uh, when you come back to a story and, and you're just like it was yeah it was it was writing and just being like okay I'm not I don't need to do this stuff that I've already done before even if it it's it's sort of like if you are following a recipe and the recipe seems like it's wrong mm-hmm. it, there's a strong I guess not instinct but you you want to like Think fiddle with it. it yeah yeah so I guess partly it is fighting instinct mm-hmm. but my, my instincts would not have like altered what i was writing it would have made me go back to the drawing board as far as got it as far as plans go to reformulate everything in theory uh writing at speed which is speed for um dark Wizard of donkirk is actually not that fast by current standards i mean like, three, three months to write a novel is pretty good in general but you're, you're right by your current standard it's it's fairly low yeah but but when when writing for speed you you have to kind of sort of trust that it's going to work out mm-hmm. or at least pretend that it's going to work out and then if it doesn't work out you can just you know deal with it at a future point fake it till you make it yeah anything else you want to talk about um so the the one thing I want to talk about is audience trust mm-hmm. so when people abandon their work uh, that makes them when, when, when authors abandon their work, that makes the audience less likely to trust them to finish things in the future, and that makes them, the audience less likely to pick up on things that haven't been, or that have not been completed. Both in the individual sense of a reader reading a particular author who's mm-hmm. abandoned some work in the past, and in the general sense of people just abandoning stories, and that sort of being the default. And that's something I th- think about, I mean, you can always spin up a new identity, that's not you know, that's not hard. I mean, it's not ideal, but mm-hmm. you, you could always do that. But it's one of those things I think about as like you're using a resource in some sense, mm-hmm. the the resource of audience trust. And that's like a good reason not to not to do that, not to abandon stories just because right. things got a little bit tough. I also think you shouldn't do it for more like craft writing reasons, but I don't know. That, that, that is a consideration when you're thinking about abandoning a story, even one that doesn't have many readers, or especially one, one that doesn't have many readers. Cause I think a lot of stories, you know, five chapters, six chapters is not a lot. And some people just expect more audience than they're going to get in that amount of time. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think lack of audience is a valid reason to abandon stories. I don't, I don't think I've ever abandoned a story because no one was reading it. Uh, okay. One exception there <laughs> uh-huh. is I wrote, I wrote a novella that was, it's like a weird West detective thing. And I wrote the sequel or I was writing the sequel to it 
knowing that no one had asked for it, but it's sort of on the shelf in the drafts folder because no one would probably read it, right? Mm -hmm. Or very few people would read it relative to the amount of work that it would take to finish it. Yeah, yeah. And that, that trade-off is, I think, particularly particularly worth doing when you're at, say, the point in the career of writing that you're in right now, as opposed to when someone's, like, I guess, new to it. Yeah, well, it's I'm probably more time-constrained mm -hmm. than most other writers. Maybe that's not true. <laughs> well, okay, I mean, I... I you know, I've got this toddler that I take care of all day, and if I had, like, eight hours of free time a day, I would be able to get a lot more writing done and probably a lot more variety. So I think time time is my biggest constraint right now rather than, you know, will to write. Or... I think I think the most people who are not professional writers, time is – they would say that time is their biggest constraint, and I, I think they would still be somewhat accurate in saying that. Like, it's not – like I've, I, you know, like I've had, I've had days when I didn't have to go to work and I had to and write, and like my output is obviously way higher um, than on the days when I do have to go to work <laughs> and then write. So like time is definitely a factor, I think, for most for most writers, uh, whether they're whether they're new to the craft or not. But that idea of like the the difference of writing with a number of competing writing interests is more, I think, what I was pointing at when when you have a decision that you're making on like, okay, I could be writing more with the candle, or I could be working on Glimwarden, or I could be writing something completely new, or one of my other, other, other projects that isn't, like, public yet, uh, whatever it is. Uh, in that circumstance, I feel like you, you distributing your writing time based off of considerations like that is definitely more of a, of a important factor than if someone's just deciding, like, okay, well, I write this story that, you know, maybe some X amount of people will enjoy more, or this story that Y amount of people will enjoy more. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it, I don't know. How I decide what I'm going to be spending my time writing is a combination of enthusiasm and readership and a bunch of things. That's mm -hmm. I, I'm sure that you could distinguish it from random chance, but sometimes I will be like in the middle of writing a chapter or something, and I'll just be like, "Why am I working on this rather than something else? I have no idea why. How I like got to this place." So yeah, but yeah, I I don't know. As far as abandoning stories goes, it a lot easier when no one has seen it. Mm -hmm. It's not public. I think I have two two stories that I have abandoned to one degree or another. One one being Glimward and the other being a what was supposed to be I think like a novella called Upsides. I don't know if you ever read that, but um, that. it was basically the the premise is that like one day gravity is reversed for every person on Earth. Like so, like all the buildings and trees and stuff so stay where questions. they are. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then people just like fall up to the ceiling or like into the sky where they die or stuff. But mm -hmm. it was like a I don't know supernatural disaster yeah, yeah. type thing. I think this is very easily in my mind like a book written by Terry Pratchett or something. Um. Yeah. But I, I wrote a chapter of that and published it, and then I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna like this just, just this just needs to be like five or six chapters, and then it started getting long. And I was like, oh, I don't really want to finish this. <laughs> and then I regretted, I regretted putting that first chapter online. Yeah. Because I was like, well, this reduces, in a game theory sense, <laughs> like people will be less likely to read future things because of this one. This but feeling of yeah. This this feeling that you've like let people down or you've like compromised. And like, oh well, maybe I'm, I'm gonna. Well, I mean, the thing that I even said earlier, right? I just kind of wait until I think that was before the episode started. But yeah, like the thing about like pe people are aware of the fact that there are stories online that are going to probably not get finished. And there is a perpetual fear, if you find a story that you like, that only has a few chapters out, that it will only ever have a few chapters out. Yeah. And the other thing is that uh, a lot of those, like, one-chapter one ones, it's like you don't know if there's any planning to it. Yeah. yeah. If there's no bona fides behind it. It's yeah. just... Like, it can be one good chapter, but then if, if the characterization falls apart in the second chapter mm -hmm. which it might or if there's no like overarching thing i don't know it's tough because there are people who are like oh i don't read anything less than a hundred thousand words right it's like well okay <laughs> that's that's fine that's you know that's your cutoff that's i guess valid and i say that in a way like i don't actually believe it's valid <laughs> it's like i think endo's game just barely squeaks past that like yeah, just barely. Like it, lets, it cuts. It cuts out a lot of published novels, but I, but but I understand 
for web serials, I think, or published seri- or online uh, ongoing web serials, if this is like a self-defensive measure to prevent yeah investment in stories that they don't want to yeah. Well, and I've, I've had some people tell me they can't get invested if the story is under a hundred thousand words. It's like what? That's that's so much reading time. Like maybe you're just reading stuff that's not. You know, good. Now, now I'm actually curious. I just gotta see because it's been so long since I've read physical physical media. Like I know certain stories by word count because I, I like I use them as um, when I was younger. I used them as like a measure of of how fast I read and whether it adjusts based on how long the story is. Well, like the first Harry Potter books, like sixty thousand mm-hmm. words or something like that. It's like you can't you can't get invested in Harry Potter after like a couple chapters. <laughs> I can understand it taking a little while, but I, I mean, know. it also depends on on I guess like how how much you've written, like I mean how much you how much you've read at that point. Like I, I mean, I don't know if I if I can say for sure that I would be able to get invested in in a lot of young adult fiction if I don't have a reason to. Yeah. Like, already know that, like, it's going to be good. Yeah. Okay, so Dark Lord of Dirkholm is 130,000 words. In my memory, this book is, like, fairly short, but it's longer than Ender's Game is. And Ender's Game is, like, it's a pretty... It's, when I, whenever I consider an average novel, I know it's actually less than 100,000, but 100,000 is my average now because of Ender's Game. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's... I, th- I think a lot of people will bail out for audience reasons, or they, you know, it, it sort of dampens your expectation of, you know, of how good your your work is. Mm-hmm. If, if you're if you posted, you know, ten chapters or whatever, and and people are sort of coming by in ones and twos, mm-hmm. and that can be that can be tough. I, I I try not to think about what other people think. I guess I think it's best practice not to in general, but maybe some authors out there do a good job with that and like can feel that's really like useful to them i don't know yeah but i don't know and then there are other people who are like oh like i'm not gonna read it until it's done it's like you'll never get those people <laughs> i mean when, when you finish you'll, you'll get them but <laughs> there, there are people who worth the candle it's like a black mark against it that it's not finished now because it's so long i think this is where author trust comes in too in some respect like i'm definitely more likely to to, to start one of your stories like Birth the Candle and, and any other things that you might write. Because I, like, even if for whatever reason the story goes on hiatus again or something like Glimwood did, like I enjoy your writing. I know that you're like a meticulous author and all these different things. But like Wild Bow, I've only read his stories after they've been finished. I read Worm shortly after it finished or just, just before, like when it was like its final few chapters or something like that. I started and by the time I reached the end, I, I finished it. I didn't start packed until I knew it was done. I didn't start twigging until I knew it was done. And I think that was in large part because I knew that they were just going to be really long stories, and I didn't want to add yet another tab to my list of stories that I check every few days to yeah. to read a, a chapter at a time. But that said, like I'm also reading, you know, Practical Guide to Evil, which is like that, and I'm reading Mother Mother of Learning, which is like that. And so you know, I don't know. Yeah, like I, I don't know if there's if there's any one criteria that I think like I follow in this respect. It's really just a matter of like how how interesting the story is to me, plus like author reliability to be you know good, plus how long the story is, and all these different all these different things. I don't know if I I don't know if I begrudge a reader any like rules like this unless it's something like I mean obviously there's people who are just like you know I just won't read any fan fiction, which I I, I think I used to get I got I like I felt more empathetic to that before I read HPMR. And now I've read like a ton of other fan fiction that I think is amazing. Yeah, I I don't begrudge people. I just some of it I just think is just silly mm-hmm. and not a good metric for <laughs> weeding out quality. Right. I mean, if what you want is to get the quality works, there are there are better ways to do that than than by length. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Especially for web fiction where you can get actual metrics like reviews mm-hmm. or kudos or or you know whatever. Likes. Uh, I, I will say though, there's there's definitely a part of me that looks at a story and and sees how long it is and thinks, like if I don't already have a reason to to think it's going to be good or enjoy it, just be like, mm, maybe I'll read a shorter one first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just I mean, just like a like a like I do this with video games too because I've I've been I've I've stopped buying video games. I haven't bought a new video game in, in a while. I just I just like I'm like you know what I've got a list on my Steam like most people do. Uh, I'm going to just quickly do a sort of, like, games that I do think I'm going to want to play and finish, even if it's just to try them out for a few hours, and games that I'm just either done with or don't don't have any interest in, in trying out. 
um, because they came as like part of a bundle or whatever. And I did that, and I've just been slowly over the past like year or so, I've just been kind of going down my list of, of video games and, and either playing them for a few hours and deciding I'm not, I'm not, I'm not into them, uh, which I've been a skill I've been trying to hone and like to like be able to do instead of feeling like I had to finish every game I played. And then just like games I would just like play through to the end. And like when I'm deciding what to play next, I definitely feel like, how long will this game take to play? Am I in the mood for a 120-hour game, or do I want just something that I can finish in like you know a few days of you know two two or three hours or something? Yeah. All right. I think that's all I've got for this. Yep. Me too. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Tune in next time. All that stuff.